time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor twice a week here on the Financial Physician Podcast. We have our Sunday program, which you're listening to now, uploaded by 9 a.m. Sunday morning. And don't miss the midweek podcast, uh, about an hour long, uploaded Wednesday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the Financial Physician twice a week, where we talk money, markets, politics. we got a lot to talk about today. Not unusual each and every week. There's so much going on, so much to talk about. Uh, Later in the program, we're going to talk about government agencies arming up. How about that? You won't believe how uh, militarized our government has become. And the question is, why? We'll talk about that. Um, How about this? Biden is offering up Atlantic City Airport to house illegal immigrants uh, who have uh, flooded into New York City, uh, which is causing a lot of local... um, uh, executives, mayor of Atlantic City, Democrat, totally against it. Uh, our congressmen are fighting it. Uh, let's see where that goes. Um, Biden's, Biden's latest home appliance crackdown is now ceiling fans. They've gone after your your stove. Uh, they're going after your washing machine. They're going after everything in your house. Uh, and now ceiling fans will talk about that. Uh, more damning evidence is out of Joe Biden's and Hunter Biden's corruption. It just every week more and more comes out on this. And how long is it going to take? Well, what is it going to take uh, before the Republicans uh, launch impeachment? Think about it, the Democrats. They launched impeachment on a phone call. Uh, that's the thing here is that Republicans try to play by the rules, by rules of fairness, by the law. Uh, and how do you win a game when the other side is cheating all the time and don't care about the rules? It's unbelievable. We'll get into that. Uh, what else do we have today? Oh, bank. A bank has stopped making loans now on gas-powered vehicles. They'll only make loans on electric vehicles. Uh, we'll dive into that. And that's not in this country, but it's probably coming soon enough. Canada issues a travel advisory for LGBTQ, the LMNP plus S1 uh, not to travel to the United States because they'll be discriminated against. Um, another one of our um, leaders uh, in government needs a nursing home. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Mitch o- uh, McConnell's freeze up again, the second time in a month. I mean, I don't know who's worse, Biden or him. It's really quite amazing. But let's start off talking about as. I have the last couple of podcasts. I've been um, summarizing the chapters in my book, The Financial Physician. And I think it's a good time to do this right now because, you know, we're living in very difficult times. Many Americans are struggling to just put food on the table. 
And uh, the first few chapters of the book talks about why Americans are the way they are. And part of it's not our fault. Part of it is. A good portion, I guess it is. Is uh, In the last two podcasts, the first podcast, uh, I talked about uh, financial illiteracy, how Americans just don't know anything about money. We never taught anything about it. So we go into our 20s not knowing anything. And before we know it, we have car payments, we have credit cards, we got student loans, and we're wondering why we struggle the rest of our life. Second chapter is about financial irresponsibility. I covered that on Wednesday. Uh, how if you act irresponsibly, not only financially, personally, it's going to affect your financial life one way or the other. If you have a drug addiction or you have an alcoholic addiction or you're a, uh, a gambler, whatever it is in your life, even a smoker, $10 a pack, do it two times a day. Do the math. How financial irresponsibility gets us into trouble. Now, chapter three of the book is about feelings of material entitlement. Now, when I was growing up, I know I sound like an old guy now, right? My parents, I, I had five siblings. I'm the oldest of six. We lived in a small house. I don't come from money. My dad was a union printer. My mother was a waitress. We struggled forever. And my dad was out of work for uh, three months in the mid-70s. Uh, and we were on welfare. My dad used credit cards to buy groceries. I remember I went with him. And uh, we always ate at home, but we always sat down and had dinner together as a family. That's something that doesn't happen much anymore. Our family had one car. My dad bought, in 1966, I'll never forget it, he bought a, a Ford station wagon. And we took that station wagon the next day after he bought it and took our only real vacation in the whole time I was growing up. And that was a road trip to Niagara Falls with my brothers and sisters. And I was, I think, six or seven years old at the time. And I remember it vividly because it was the only vacation we ever went on. And that's okay. Money was always tight in my family. So we had to live frugally. There was no choice. And uh, small home, one car. And the car that we bought in 1966 when I was six years old became my car in 1977 when I turned 17. I had it for two years, and my brother had it for two years. So that, that car lasted almost 20 years. You don't see that anymore. Every car people drive is a late model car. But today, people live totally differently. They have a different attitude. We have a different attitude. And we're driven by feelings of material entitlement. We believe that we deserve to live the American dream, extravagant lifestyles, the things that we see in movies and magazines and TV commercials. And we're constantly advertised to, we're constantly told that we need the new $200 sneaker, the new Ford F-150 truck. It's just nonstop. Just watch TV and just watch all the commercials, everything they're trying to sell you. And nowadays, people are so impatient, they don't want to wait to save up money to buy something. They just go out and pull out the credit card. And what's happening is people are feasting today to starve tomorrow because now they're entering retirement. And it started with my generation. 
the baby boomers, the late baby boomers. I was born in 1960. I'm 63 right now. It started with my generation. Where we started to spend money we didn't have. And we have debt. And many people are retiring with that. I've said it many times on this program, the retirement crisis. And it's all because of the three things I told you about. Chapter one, financial illiteracy, not knowing how the game is played. Number two, financial irresponsibility, doing things that we shouldn't do personally and financially. And now feelings of material entitlement that we deserve what we want, when we want it, regardless of the financial ramifications of that. So, an easy credit is really a major culprit in this. It's so easy to borrow money. And when we have credit cards with $25,000 credit lines on it, we're encouraged to spend money we don't have. I even see kids in college these days driving around like late model cars. Beautiful cars, sometimes BMWs. And uh, it's starting them off on the wrong track. And parents have a lot to do with it. We encourage our kids to, we want the best for our kids. A lot of times we'll buy them everything they want. And that teaches them that I can have what I want, when I want, regardless. So what are the symptoms of material entitlement? Buying homes that are bigger and more luxurious than we actually need. Because think about it, you know, bigger the home, the more the property taxes, the more it costs to furnish it, the more it costs to heat it, cool it. How about frequently buying new cars? That's the big deal. I've said many times in this program, why Americans have little or no net worth when they retire is very simple. Two things, houses and cars and the decisions we make on how to acquire them. It's that simple. It's amazing how many clients come to me, new clients, and I go over their budget with them, and they're paying $1,000 a month between the two of them for car payments. It makes me crazy. It's insane. That's $12,000 a year going to car payments. And as soon as they pay off the car, they go out and turn it in and get a new one and start the payments all over again. Perpetual car payments kill you financially. It's nice not to have a car payment. When your car payment is over, keep the car till the wheels fall off. But no, that's not what Americans do. They turn it in and get the newest, best car for $50,000, take a 72-month loan, now a 10%. It's insane. Getting a new car every few years wastes a lot of money. And today, cars are built to last 200,000, 250,000 miles. If you change the oil, you take care of it. But no, we have to turn it in. Feelings of material entitlement. Uh, How about eating out a lot? I don't want to cook. Why don't I cook when I go to the restaurant down the street? Obviously, eating home is a lot cheaper than going out to eat. Very much cheaper. And it's better for you physically, not only financially, but physically as well. Eating out, especially fast food restaurants, you're eating junk. You're eating processed food. You're eating salt. Terrible. Think of, do the math. 
I know somebody who goes out every day for breakfast and every day for lunch. Let's be generous and say breakfast is $10. Um, And let's say lunch is $15. That's $25 a day. That's $80 a month. No, it's more than that. What am I doing? My math is totally wrong. $25 a day times 31. That's $750 to $800 a, a month. Right? That's money that could be going into an S&P 500 fund, an IRA account. But no. I know people who take frequent vacations that can't afford to do it. Again, feelings of material entitlement. My kids deserve to go to Disneyland, even though I can't afford to go. My kids deserve that. You know, I got to do everything I can for my kids. It doesn't matter how I pay for it. If I have to go in debt to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, And as I said, in my entire life when I was a kid, we went on one vacation. Now, I'm not saying that you should never take your family on vacation, uh, but there's cheap alternatives to, to putting everybody in an airplane and going down to Florida and going on a cruise. Um, but again, people think differently now. They think, oh, I only live once, you know, whatever. Some people are addicted to spending. They're just addicted to shopping. It's retail therapy for them. Uh, it makes them feel good. And they wind up buying things that they don't even need. And you know who you are. And I've seen these people many, many times. And they all have financial problems. Because they're ripping out the credit card most of the time. So what do we do? How do we get over these things? I mean, financial illiteracy, uh, financial irresponsibility, feelings of material entitlement. It's not easy. But you got to do it. You got to take control. You have to live a simpler, more disciplined life that is within your means. Oh, living within your means. How about that? That's a novel approach to life. You have to differentiate between what you need and what you want or feel you deserve. Try this exercise. And I tell people to do this all the time. It may change your attitude. Itemize how you spend your money. List every expense you pay each month. All right, and so many people tell me, Lou, I make good money. I don't know where it goes. I don't have nothing left at the end of the month to say. Well, let's figure out where it goes. It's not that hard. Make a list of uh, all your expenses. I mean, all your expenses, including that $5 coffee you buy at Starbucks. If you go out to lunch or breakfast, Keep track of that. I always say keep one of those little little notepads with the little wire binding on them. Keep it in your back pocket or your pocketbook. And every time you spend a dime, write it down. Do that for two or three months. Because sometimes some expenses are not in every month. Like if you have quarterly property taxes and you pay them or uh, your car insurance is paid every six months. Uh, also, you have to take into consideration holidays, Christmas, you know, how much you spend that month on gifts and things like that. And you got to average it all out. But find out where your money goes and then find out what you could eliminate. How about those premium cable channels that you don't listen, you don't watch? I'm, I'm guilty of that. I got this package with uh, 
HBO, Showtime. I, I never watch any of it. How about subscriptions that you have? Right? Every month it comes out of your bank account. For a magazine online or uh, for, for a Hulu Plus uh, or for uh, uh, XM Radio that you don't listen to. You know how many, you'd be surprised how many subscriptions you pay for. I am so surprised sometimes. I'm paying $6 a month for this. I don't even use it. So go through your bank records, go through your credit card statements, and find out where your money is spent. Circle every item that you can cut back on and then figure out how much you can save. I think the average family can save 10% of their expenditures each and every month if they analyzed it and knew where it was going. So uh, how do we get in this fix? Uh, I think it's advertising, as I said before, movies, television. It changed our culture, starting with my generation. We are continually inundated with images of how we should live. And they implanted, and it's very good. Advertising is very insidious. It implanted images in our mind of how we should live or how we're supposed to live. And we were completely drawn in and we didn't care how we had to finance it to live that way. Um, and common sense was thrown out the window. So it takes strength to swim against the tide and fight these massive forces that are trying to get us to spend our money um, and making it feel like we deserve it, we're entitled to it. When we're entitled to a comfortable retirement. That's what you're entitled to. You're not entitled to a car you can't afford right now or a big house that you really can't afford right now. You're not entitled to it. And that's the thing is Americans feel they're entitled to everything. And the, and the, and, and the younger generation feels they're, entire, they're entitled to income for doing nothing. All their expenses should be paid for, including their student loans and everything else. Uh you think my generation was bad. The younger generation right now, they don't care about anything. They want everything handed to them. But it's not too late to change your financial attitude. You're not entitled to everything you want. Uh, if you save your money and you want something and you can pay for it without going into debt, then that's fine. Then you're entitled to it. But you're not entitled to anything that you can't pay for. And uh, that's a psychological issue that's, that's going on in this country. And it has been for some time. And Americans have to change their ways. All right, let's take a quick break. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate 
state from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Argentus Advisors. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Welcome back to our Sunday edition of The Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for taking time out of your day to go out of your way to listen to the show. Um, you know, we're not on the radio anymore. People just don't stumble upon a program. They have to go out of their way to listen to it. And I appreciate every one of you who take your time out hopefully twice a week, uh, to listen to this important program. We talk about things that you're not going to hear elsewhere. And the one thing I promise you is I'll always try to give you the truth, at least the truth the way I see it. Um, We're not going to give you any fake news. We're not going to try to warp your mind. We're not going to try to gaslight you. We'll talk about that later in the show, how we're being gaslighted all the time. In other words, being lied to by our government. If you want to get in touch with me and uh, suggest something for the program or is there something I could help you with, I love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. I promise to get back to each and every one of you. If I don't, send it again. Somebody sent me an email the other day and said, Lou, uh, I sent this to you two weeks ago and you didn't respond. Uh, it's because I just didn't see it. It just got lost uh, within all the emails that I get. So uh, just send it again. Or make sure you make your subject line something compelling that will attract my attention. Because we all get so much junk each and every day. It's so easy for your email to get disappeared. But but I do my best to answer each and every email. That's lou at thefinancialphysician.com. And please share the link to the podcast. Uh, Help us grow. We're already the number one finance podcast uh, on Podomatic. Uh, And that's grown since we went podcast only and since we do two podcasts a week. Uh, but it grows because you guys tell your friends about the program, you put it on your social media, you put the link there, and I appreciate that very, very much. That's the only way our program will grow now. A survey came out or a report came out from Lending Club this week that found that 61% of adults are reported uh, barely making ends meet in July. That's an increase from 59% uh, the same month last year. So Americans more and more are going paycheck to paycheck. Uh, it's getting worse, uh, which is understandable given the inflation problem that we have. And this survey dovetails with a newly released data from the federal government this week, which showed that the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, and this is a key inflation gauge that the Fed really likes to watch, uh, it rose 0.2% from the previous month. Uh, but it's up 4.2% from the previous year. So inflation, according to this gauge, is still significantly high. And as we know from government uh, financial reports, don't trust them. 
and I want to get into that in a second. Uh, but uh, people are just really having trouble making ends meet uh, because of inflation. Everything's more expensive, especially things that we buy regularly, food, groceries. And that's the thing about inflation figures. In the CPI, for instance, there's so many things in there that we rarely buy. I mean, maybe we buy every couple of years, maybe a car or something like that. But if we just look at the inflation of things that we spend every week on, gasoline, food, groceries of all kinds, our electric bill, property taxes, all these things are going up more than 3% per year. And one thing that we're seeing a big inflation in is restaurants. That's right. If you want to eat out a lot, and I mentioned in the first segment about how feelings of feelings of material entitlement mean that we have to go out to eat because we don't want to cook. Uh, well, it's certainly becoming much more expensive. Uh, ordering a dish that includes beef and veal was nearly 11% more expensive in July compared to the same time last year. Well, that's certainly more than 3% inflation that they're telling us about. Uh, drinking beer at a bar or restaurant was nearly 4% more pricier last month compared to July of last year. Um, food and clothing and footwear are up more than 2.4% year over year. Clothing for kids are up 5.4% year over year. Uh, pharmaceuticals soared 3.4% in July. So, uh... Everything's going up. Things that we need, things that we buy. A trip to the dentist uh, cost 5.3% more last month than it did last year. And meanwhile, you know, the Fed's raising interest rates, so the cost of our credit card debt is going up. If we're buying houses, the cost of a mortgage is going up. A rent is going up. And... Um, Moody's came out and said that Americans are spending $709 more per month on everyday goods compared to just two years ago. $709, what's that, over $8,000 a year. That's ridiculous. And it's doing a lot of economic damage, especially to the middle class and the lower class. It's just um, unbelievable. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. When you see... 61% are saying that they barely make ends meet and they're paycheck to paycheck. And we're living through the the largest robbery of the American middle class that we've seen in a long, long time. And it's not in the headlines. Uh, And it has to do with inflation. Now, the Biden administration trumpets their economic achievements by Bidenomics is working. Well, it's not working. Because, again, the things that we spend money on each and every month, rent, mortgage, food at home, or out, utilities, gas, these are the basic categories that we deal with all the time. And everything's going up, and it's been going up for three years. If you look at the items that you actually spend money on regularly, you'll find increases of 18-plus percent to 22-plus percent. Let's say it averages 20 percent. Well, disposable income's only gone up about 3 percent over the last three years. So your income uh, has gone up 3 percent, your expenses have gone up 20 percent, 
you don't have to be an economist to realize that that spells economic disaster. Disaster for your standard of living. In short, we've been robbed. And that's what it's all about. Inflation is taxation. It's robbery. It's the same thing. Well, how about an increase of 43% of the money supply over the last three years? Which affected the purchasing power of the dollar. Now, let's compare today's inflation to... um, the last really bad inflation, which I remember very well. Uh, I was, it, it was between 1978 and 1982. I was 18 to 22 during that period. I was just going to college. Um, and I remember this very well. This was the Jimmy Carter years. And this was um, one of those times where the government Pillaged the public. That's what they did. That that's what inflation is is really. It's pillaging the public. It's robbing them, and it reorganized um, the family life at that time. Prior to 1982, most women stayed home to raise their children, take care of the household. But then, with inflation in the late 70s and 80s. Women were forced to leave the household to get a job just to make ends meet. And now two-income families is the norm. Since 1985, it's the norm. And think about how society has suffered because of that. It is not good for children to come home from school with both parents not home. It's just not good. And, uh, and I'm not being sexist here. I don't care if the man stays home, is a stay-at-home father. That's fine, too. But you need to have one of the parents home when the kids get home to school. Make sure they do their homework. Make sure they stay out of trouble. Make sure they're not doing something bad on the Internet. Making sure they eat properly. I think part of the obesity problem we have in this country is someone not being home to regulate what our children eat. And then if you're, you, you know, you don't get home till six o'clock, how do you cook a nutritious dinner? No, you order a pizza or McDonald's or something like that. And now many families don't even eat together. It's a shame what's happened to, all because of inflation in the early 1980s. And it's happening again now. This inflation, I don't know what the change in American life will be because of inflation right now, but it's probably going to be profound. So uh, inflation is a tax. It is robbing the people. It fundamentally changed life in America in the early 1980s. And it's changing life now. And uh, I don't have the answers to it. But how it ends, it's not going to end good. Uh, For the population, you know, people are demoralized. It's going to affect their health, lack of ambition. We see now with kids, substance abuse. Can this be turned around? Yeah, it can, but it's probably not. It would require a massive change in the attitude of government to rein in our spending, to rein in our debt. It's not going to happen. You know it. I know it. It's not going to happen. They're not going to change. So we're going to head down the path 
to where it gets worse and worse and worse, and we look at hyperinflation. You think inflation would change Americans and, and, and our culture. Could you imagine what, I don't know, 30% annual inflation would do to us? How about 30% a month? Well, the definition of hyperinflation is 50% a month. And I explained to you in the past some of the historic hyperinflations that the world has experienced, going all the way back to Rome. The German Republic in the 1920s, the early 20s. Classic hyperinflation. And what happened to their culture? It led to the rise of Adolf Hitler in World War II. Zimbabwe, Venezuela, Argentina. Ask any of those people what hyperinflation meant to them. And uh, the only job of politicians, really, is to make the American dream affordable again. And unfortunately, their policies are doing just the opposite. And uh, we're seeing the country come apart for a lot of different reasons. But as people become more and more financially desperate, you're going to see more crime, more distrust of government, growing anger of the people. And unfortunately, it is going to get worse. And that's why it's so important, if you're able to do it, is try to protect yourself from the coming inflation. And I'm 100% convinced that it's coming. That what we've seen in the last couple, three years is nothing compared to the inflation we're going to see in the near future. And I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. So how do you protect yourself? Well, you protect yourself by having your money in real things. If you have any money, 60% of Americans don't. But if you do, buy some precious metals, gold and silver coins. Smartest thing I think anybody can do these days is hold real money, God's money. That's immune to purchasing power loss like the dollar is. Now more than ever, the world is moving away from the dollar with the bricks coming together. Oil being you know, traded in local currencies now. The writing's on a wall if anybody wants to read it. Anything else that's real? Real estate. Real assets, right? Well, it's real estate, the first word is real. Precious metals. Even stocks or inflation protection. Cash, well, cash burns up in hyperinflation. Uh, last week, we saw more money uh, flowing into money market funds. $14.4 billion entered uh, different money market funds. A uh, new record was reached at $5.5 trillion now sits in U.S. money market funds. Uh, where's that money coming from? It's coming from banks. And I'm looking at a chart uh, that shows money market funds versus bank deposits. Uh, it's very telling. Bank deposits are going down on the graph and money market fund assets are going up. Uh, so you can see it. It's uh, it's something that we've never really seen before. 
but it makes sense why it's happening. I mean, it wasn't long ago we heard headlines about bank failures. At the same time, we're seeing interest rates in the money market uh, arena going up to 5%. Why not get 5% risk-free in the U.S. Treasury money market fund versus getting 1%, if that, in the bank savings account and worrying about whether or not the bank's going to fail on you, if FDIC is going to be able to cover you, if you're going to be able to access your money. And that problem hasn't gone away, by the way. It hasn't gone away. And uh, I expect to see that continue, the money leaving the banks, which is going to cause a systemic banking crisis. And there's so many things going bad for the banks right now. Commercial real estate loans that have to be refinanced, half-empty skyscrapers in hotels in major cities all have to be refinanced. We're hearing uh, owners of these buildings just walking away and giving the keys to the bank, who then eats the losses. And that's not something I expect to reverse anytime soon. People don't want to go to the cities. Everybody I see in my conference room, at my office, friends that I know, family that I know, all say the same thing. I'm not going into the city. I'm not going to Philadelphia. I'm not going to New York. You got to be crazy. And do you think that these Democrat-run cities are going to turn around anytime soon? Of course not. People have learned that uh, I could work from home. I like that. I don't have to spend four hours commuting every day into the crime-infested city where I have to go down into the subways. You think above the surface is bad. Go below ground and see what happens. Uh, so it's just unbelievable what's going on right now. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, I've said it for two years on this program. It's caused me a lot of problems with some banks. I wouldn't have my life savings in any bank. And I used to say community banks probably are better than big banks. I don't think any bank is safe right now. I really don't. Just look at the chart of bank stocks. I don't care what, what, what banks they are. Uh, the stock prices are going down which means investors know what's going on. Great alternative, U.S. Treasury, government, money market funds. That's the place to be if for cash. It's not a long-term solution for your money. That's not the way to long-term investment success. It's no way to retirement plan having all your money in a money market. But right now, it's a great alternative to any other financial institution. And the economy is really starting to decline. Now, the government will never tell you that, especially going into an election year, especially this government that lies about everything. Speaking of government statistics that are also known as lies, uh, on Friday, uh, the uh, July employment report came out. And it came out, I think they said 187,000 jobs were created, which was pretty much in line with expectations. Uh, But this number is just bogus. Because what did they do? They revised downward the last two months' numbers. And this is what they always do. Every single monthly payroll report that came out in, from 1920, uh, 2020 to 2023 has been revised lower. Every single one. 
which is virtually impossible statistically. Unless there's political pressure to massage these numbers to make them look good, and then you lower them when nobody's looking at it. That never makes the headlines that they revise June lower and May lower. But let's take a look at this. Uh, uh, July was revised down by 30,000 from 187,000 to 157. June was revised even more by 80,000 from 185,000 to 105,000. So these are like almost 50% lower than was originally announced. And now uh, we'll see the August numbers come down. They'll announce that two months from now, they'll revise them down from 187,000 to 90. Um, and that's the way the, the Biden administration rolls. Uh, they lie about the number, just like the GDP. They're revising it lower now. But that's too late. People heard the headline when it came out a month ago. Now, the big number uh, was a jump in the unemployment rate, which was unexpected, from 3.5 to 3.8%. Um, and that's a result of people finally realizing they have to get to work. Their stimulus money's gone. Uh, they have to start paying their student loans back, or at least some people do. And since uh, we had 600,000 people enter the labor market, that made the unemployment rate go up. And believe me, the unemployment rate is not 3.8%. Um, it's more like 15 to 20% if you want to use past ways of calculating it. John Williams, the economist that runs shadowstats.com, says the real unemployment rate is 20%. But they lie to us. Everything is a lie. You can't trust anything that this government tells you. They come out and they tell you, oh, the economy is great. Bidenomics is working. Well, how about this? Dollar General Corp, you know, these are the dollar stores, right, where you would think they should be doing well when the economy is poor, that everybody's going to want to get everything as cheap as they can. Well, they announced that they had a massive decline in revenue and lowered its profit forecast for the second quarter because of softer sales trends and also shrinkage, which is stealing. I mean, they were expected to earn $2.47 uh, a share. They came in at two thirteen. That's a substantial decline in earnings. And that's because the American consumer is tapped out. They've used all their savings. They've run up their credit cards to the limit. And now they're faced with uh, doing without. And the shrinkage problem, you know, is, is a big deal for all retailers now. Isn't it amazing how much stealing is going on right now? And how uh, retailers are, are just chalking it up to the price of doing business these days. And it's not just Dollar General that's facing um, headwinds as far as sales go. It's, it's all U.S. retailers. And if you look at the stocks of Target, Kohl's, all these companies, they're plunging because the U.S. consumer is finally done. They can't spend any more money they don't have. 
and just wait till student debt repayments begin in October. I mean, we're hearing CEOs already panicking over it. We're seeing a lot of the earnings calls coming in um, for companies, not just retailers. Many CEOs of all kinds of companies are stating that uh, they're very concerned that the retailers already, uh, the consumers already so pinched so much from inflation and running out of savings and running up the credit card debt that they're very concerned that once money has to come out of their budget to pay for student loans again, uh, that, that that's going to further hurt sales. So we're entering a recession. There's no doubt about it. But don't tell the stock market that because the stock market's having a fabulous year so far. So far, uh, I'm expecting uh, this market to reverse as we walk go into September, October period here and the rest of the year. Um, but so far, so good for the for the stock market. The Dow this week was up 1.43 percent, up uh, a little over five percent for the year. But that's nothing compared to the S and P 500 that was up. Two and a half percent this week, uh, up seventeen point six one percent year to date. That's a fabulous year for the S and P, but that's nothing compared to the Nasdaq, uh, up three and a quarter percent for the week, up thirty four percent for the year, uh, erasing all the losses last year. Uh, the Nasdaq was down thirty something percent last year. Uh, I forgot the exact number, and the Nasdaq's up a lot because of artificial intelligence stocks, companies like Nvidia. Uh, that make the chips for artificial intelligence. And it's kind of like the dot-com bubble that we saw back in the late 90s. Um, Now it's all about artificial intelligence. So, so far, so good for the stock market. If I was a stock market investor, boy, would I be paring back. I'd be taking some profits and getting a little defensive here. Stock markets don't usually like recessions, and we're heading there. 10-year Treasury bond. Rose in interest again this week, relentlessly. We're seeing interest rates rise in the bond market. 10-year Treasury now yielding 4.19, but it was as high as 4.33 this week. Uh, And with uh, the unemployment rate going up, uh, some bond investors believe maybe that the Fed may have to stop raising interest rates because maybe we are entering a recession. So that was positives for bonds on Friday, but... Interest rates, nonetheless, still up 4.19%. And that's important because many other interest rates in the economy are tied to the 10-year, like the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, which uh, is still stubbornly over 7%. Uh, Just incredible uh, how high mortgage rates have gone. And the Fed continues to raise rates if uh, yields in the 10-year Treasury continue to go higher. We haven't seen the, the, the high in mortgages yet. Gold has been pretty resist, uh, resilient, holding at 1966 an ounce. Silver, just not getting any traction, just stuck at $24.16. Bitcoin, uh, 20, uh, $25,808. Uh, if you're a Bitcoin investor, you got some good news this week. Uh, a court stated that uh, a Bitcoin ETF uh, can get the go-ahead, and that uh rose the price of Bitcoin by about $1,300. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, oil. This is what you have to keep an eye on, too. The oil price is $86.05 a barrel. Highest it's been a long, long time. Uh, and we know energy and inflation go hand in hand. Uh, energy prices go into everything. And uh, it looks like OPEC, Russia, uh, these oil-producing countries now are... Allies, 
joining the BRICS all together, Saudi Arabia now and uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Iran, all joining uh, Russia uh, as an oil, the new OPEC maybe. And they want oil prices higher. They want to stick it to the West. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have another embargo of Western countries that we did like in the mid-70s, uh, depending on political developments or geopolitical developments around the world. And rising energy prices mean rising inflation. And as we were talking, inflation is killing Americans. It's killing the middle class. Uh, and not only here, of course, it's killing um, developing countries where people you know, live on $2 a day in Africa. Uh, these people are facing famine. The inability to feed their families. It's it's tough, tough situation around the world right now, food-wise. So I'm going to keep an eye on two things that really um, I need to keep an eye on. It's oil prices and yield on the 10-year Treasury bond because this is going to affect everything. So the Energy Department, the Biden Energy Department, uh, has been on a warpath to impose more stringent regulations on household appliances. You've heard this the last few months, right? New standards for gas stoves, ovens, washing machines, refrigerators, air conditioners, dishwashers, and other essentials. As part of its mission to advance energy efficiency and conservation and save the climate and the planet, You know, on his first day in office, Biden signed an executive order requiring the Energy Department to make major revisions to current appliance regulation standards and standards set by the Trump administration. So it only took a month. They were ready. The agency listed more than a dozen energy efficiency rules impacting appliances like water heaters, cooking products, and lamps. Their philosophy is energy efficiency at all costs, or energy efficiency, no matter what the cost is. They don't care. And now, what's the newest one? Ceiling fans, that's right. They're the latest target of the Biden administration is going after everything. That's normal in life, it seems. The Department of Energy is proposing a rule that would require ceiling fans to be more energy efficient, arguing that the move would save U.S. households on energy costs. How much would you save? Well, according to the Energy Department's analysis, the new rules would save households about $39 over the lifespan of a new energy-efficient fan. $39. Now, I don't know. I've had ceiling fans for 20 years, right? So maybe it'll save you $2 a year. Oh, boy, that's going to change my budget. That's going to make things better. Bidenomics, saving me money. However... The cost to manufacturers associated with the increased equipment will total $86.6 million per year, the department said. So Republicans on the House Committee on Small Business say if the rule goes into effect, it could put small manufacturers out of business given the costs the companies would incur in order to comply with the changes. Quote, this rule would require numerous small business fan manufacturers to redesign their products and may put between 10 and 30 percent of small business ceiling fan manufacturers out of business. The GOP members of the committee wrote in a letter to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm on Thursday. Oh, she's a real winner. You know, the head of all these agencies, 
these Biden agencies, they're all left-wing lunatics. They are. Uh, so again, just rulemaking, no legislation, just rules. Uh, so what's next? I don't know. So what do they want us to do? They want us to eat bugs. That's what they want us to do. I guess you won't really need uh, a stove if you're going to eat bugs. Uh, and it sounds crazy, right? But, you know, this is the way they do it. They do it, um, they move you a little nano centimeter at a time. And they start throwing up um, what they call trial balloons. They try to soften you up a little bit. Have you noticed that you're hearing headlines like these popping up over the last few years? Listen, listen to this one. Would you eat bugs to save the planet? Polluting food systems are a primary driver of climate change. Could cricket, chocolate, larva milk, that sounds delicious, uh, and anti ant gelato reverse these trends? Or how about this? Uh, this is from CBS. Uh, CBS segment highlights how adding bugs to the food system could be a game changer to fight climate change. Uh, and this, this, this is from really the head of the snake, the World Economic Forum. Uh, five reasons why eating insects could reduce climate change. Uh, this is crazy. I'm not eating bugs. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but they're trying to slowly, just like they're doing with COVID now, you see? They're slowly rolling out. We need masks again. Hospitals now are starting to require it. Uh, they're trying to see how people react to it. Well, people aren't reacting very well to it. Oh, by the way, um, Trump, in response to this, I mean, I brought it to you here first. I told you, I heard, you know, Alex Jones show, he was talking about the TSA saying that by mid-September, they're going to make masking uh, mandated for all TSA employees, employees of the airport. And then by mid-October, they're going to make all passengers have to wear them again. Right? And there's been a lot of pushback on this. And it's all a trial balloon, seeing like how pissed off Americans are going to get. Well, apparently very pissed off. Uh, and so many people are saying they're not they're not going to comply, including our favorite president, our ex president, and hopefully, God willing, our next president, uh, Donald Trump, put out a video telling people not to comply. The left wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear mongering about the new variants that are coming. Key whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, Hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates and we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. They rigged the 2020 election and now they're trying to do the same thing all over again by rigging the most important election in the history of our country, the 2024 election. 
even if it means trying to bring back COVID, but they will fail because we will not let it happen. When I'm back in the White House, I will use every available authority to cut federal funding to any school, college, airline, or public transportation system that imposes a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate. Thank you very much. God, I pray this man uh, returns to the presidency. I'm not very confident, though, because I have no confidence in our elections. Isn't that sad? In the supposedly the most democratic country in the world, we don't trust our elections anymore. It's amazing. It's, it's just horrible. I don't know if they can manufacture enough votes this time around, but who knows? I guess they could manufacture as many as they need at any time. You know, Trump will get 90 million votes, but Biden will get 110 million votes. Uh, when it's obvious the guy is incompetent and shouldn't even be a president right now. Isn't it scary that this guy, imagine if we have a real crisis in the country and this guy's got to be woken up at four in the morning and make a decision on something significant regarding our national security. Um, it's frightening, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and the alternative to him is even more frightening. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next year between now and the election. I mean, obviously, Joe Biden cannot be the candidate. He's just too incompetent mentally, physically. The world sees this. Uh, plus the, the criminal nature of, of his, his family. I mean, most corrupt president in history. I mean, we've truly lost our nation if this guy could be reelected. Uh, I mean, really, we've lost it. I, I, God, I would think of leaving the country, but where do you go? Um, I pray to God that that, that that does not happen. But more likely than not, uh, they're going to figure out a way to get rid of him or at least have him not run again and try to bring in somebody from the bench, Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama, or maybe put them together as a team. Um, but it can't be Biden. There's no way that Biden could win a free and fair election. He didn't the last time. We all know that. Uh, but maybe it just doesn't matter. Uh, maybe it just doesn't matter that they, they, they have the voter fraud down to a, a science. And they don't play by the rules, and that's the thing. Uh, the Republicans... They believe in fairness and uh, not cheating. I'm uh, sure some of that goes on, but not to the extent that the Democrats do. The Democrats don't care. The left doesn't care. It's all about power. They don't care how they win, whether they cheat. They don't care if they steal an election from the people. And that's the thing is that you've lost your democracy if you don't have free and fair elections. I don't care who you, you like or don't like. If you're a Democrat or Republican, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, do you have a democracy where your vote counts, where the majority of people can vote what they want? It's terribly frightening. It really is. And they don't even hide it anymore. That's the thing. They don't care. And until Republicans realize that they don't care, they're going to cheat. You don't know how to cheat. They have it down to a science from the registra fake registrations. It came out. And it was Michigan this week. Like 50,000 registrations showed up at one day the month before the election. 50,000. How does registrations go up all in one day? 
It's fake. They do it. They don't care. And they're never called out because they do it in Democrat-controlled cities and swing states. The whole election, election night, Trump won. He was up by hundreds of thousands of votes in swing states. They stopped counting. Never happened before. And then Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, Detroit and Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, Arizona, and one or two I can't even remember. All Democrat-controlled states, they stop counting, and then overnight, hundreds of thousands of Biden votes come in. And meanwhile, if you complain about it, now you're, you're indicted for insurrection. It's unbelievable. They commit this, the ultimate crime of, uh, in, in U.S. political history, stealing a, it's a coup, stealing a presidential election, and then anybody who protests against it, January 6th, or if uh, Trump, you know, he was raped, if he complains about it, uh, he's the one indicted, not the rapist. It's unbelievable. But he came out and said, we will not comply. And he's right. No, if we all say, we ain't wearing a mask, period. What are they going to do? Problem is, there's too many sheep in, in this country that do what they're told. So the World Economic Forum is committed to uh, getting us to eat bugs. Remember, you'll have nothing, you'll be happy. You'll eat bugs, you'll be happy. And um, they go on to say, our consumption of animal protein is the source of greenhouse gas and climate change. Insects are overlooked source of protein and a way to battle climate change. Consumption of insects can offset climate change in many ways. We've been conditioned to think of animals and plants as our primary sources of proteins, namely meat, dairy, eggs. But there's an unsung category of sustainable and nutritious protein that has yet to wildly catch on. Insects. Unbelievable. This guy, Klaus Schwab. Boy, that guy should be taken out. And you know you know the World Economic Forum uh, and Klaus Schwab? He has trained most of the leaders in the Western countries. You know that? Are, are disciples of him? Macron in France. Trudeau in Canada. You'd be surprised how many American politicians have gone through his organization. Um, yeah, I'm going to eat bugs. I don't think so. And I don't think most Americans are going to uh, latch on to this. Uh, you know, it used to be the Fear Factor. You remember that show Fear Factor? <laughs> they make people do stuff like that. Uh, but now they want us to do it. Unbelievable. Remember Soylent Green? Maybe that's the next thing they'll have us eat. For those of you who are old enough to know what the movie Soylent Green was about, you know what I'm talking about. For those who don't know what Soylent Green is, it was a movie, I guess back in the 60s, uh, starring Charlton Heston. And... Basically, Soylent Green was a food that the government produced, but it was made out of human remains. And uh, I think nobody knew about it until the end, after they'd been basically cannibalizing uh, their fellow citizens over the years. 
so what's next? Uh, eating dog crap. Yeah, maybe that's nutrition. There's still some nutrition left in dog feces. Uh, so it'd be easy just to re reconstitute uh, dog feces and um, and get that remaining nutrients out of it. Uh, I'm sorry. When you replace my Chick-fil-A sandwich with uh, mealworms, it's not going to work. I ain't doing it. I'm not eating bugs, period. And I don't think you want to either. Well, the Biden administration now has suggested that Atlantic City International Airport um, be a potential shelter space for asylum seekers in New York City. This came from uh, Bloomberg, I think it was Thursday. Uh, So this is the airport 10 miles outside of Atlantic City uh, that apparently is federally owned. Uh, So he has a right to do this. And he wants to make it a, a temporary housing now, I don't know what he means. Uh, does that mean in the airport terminal? Does he mean in uh, tents on the, uh, along the runways? I don't know. Um, how about closing the border? Maybe that would be a good idea. Stop the flow of these people, uh, which are coming in at record amounts. Do you know that the Biden administration opened up like 30 gates uh on heavily trafficked uh, immigration areas and welded them open so nobody can close them. Oh, and they said that's because of the rainy season so water will flow or some kind of uh, uh, conservation animal thing or some stupid lie to us like they always do. They welded them open. The Border Control, Patrol can't even close these gates. It's insanity. Now, of course... Um, Politicians in South Jersey are against this. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. Um, Egg Harbor Township Mayor um, Laura Froma strongly rejected the plan, quoting uh, her, the humanitarian crisis created by the federal government is not appropriately dealing with the issues of immigration, has unfairly resulted in small communities having to bear the brunt of this inaction. Egg Harbor Township is a community of under 50,000 residents. The burden put on our citizens would be overwhelming, and the effect on the school system, roads, resources to accommodate them would be devastating. She continued, quote, an air base and technical center where classified work is performed every day is not an area unvetted immigrants should be housed. We strongly urge the federal government to actually deal with the situation at the border and not shift the responsibility to communities. You know, oh, bravo on that. Um, How about uh, Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small, a Democrat? He said he's completely opposed relocating asylum seekers to a nearby airport and worried it would further grow the city's homeless population and strain the city's addiction services and infrastructure. Quote, I was pissed, Small said, about reading the report. Municipalities near uh, and far rely on Greyhound therapy when it comes to Atlantic City. They send their less fortunate with a one-way ticket to Atlantic City and tell them to figure it out. If it happens, we hope that it doesn't spill into our city. We are trying to rid our city of the problems we have. We are in no position to take on any more people that don't live here. So uh, uh, one after the other, uh, how about Congressman uh, Jeff Van Drew, a Republican who represents part of Egg Harbor Township, condemned the plan saying President Biden and his administration have continually refused to enforce our nation's rule of law. 
Instead of securing our southern border, the administration is spending taxpayer dollars to fly illegal immigrants across the country to areas that simply do not have or want uh, the resources to house them. This is their mess. They deal with it and leave South Jersey out of it. Now, we haven't heard anything from our esteemed uh, governor, Murphy. He hasn't said a thing about this. You'd think he'd be the first one complaining about it? No. He's part of the team. Uh, And he doesn't care about his people. He doesn't care about citizens of New Jersey. Um, He's probably for it, I would guess, because New Jersey is a sanctuary state, right? It's just amazing, these sanctuary states. They're sanctuary states until you start sending them immigrants and they start complaining about it. Uh, it looks like, I think, uh, California, uh, no, Los Angeles, right? Sanctuary city. Los Angeles is supposedly a sanctuary city, but they don't want anybody to take them up on their policy. You know, Texas has sent less than 500 illegals to L.A. And the city council is so angry that they're considering pursuing legal action against uh, Texas and Governor Abbott. How do you think Los Angeles would feel? If they were dealing with thousands of illegals, like much of the small border towns you're dealing with right now. Uh, so they're freaking out now. 500, that's like 400 and something have gone to L.A. So the council voted 13 nothing to approve the motion uh, to take legal action against Texas. For setting them, it was total 435 migrants. Uh, really. I thought you were a sanctuary city. Why is that a problem? Uh, they're all hypocrites. That's what it comes down to. But if you ask uh, the presidential spokeswoman, Corinne Pierre, I still can't get her name right, KGJP. For some reason, I have a mental block about her name. I despise this woman. I thought I despised Peppermint Patty a lot, but it's not even close to this one. She lies right to our face, right? She was asked about the border this week, uh, and she said that the border was secure. Listen. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. Do you think there's one American, one out of 313 million, that believe that statement is true? Joe Biden has done more to secure the border than anyone else. I just told you, they just welded gates wide open on the border to let people in, welded them so they can't be closed. Joe Biden has done more to destroy the border and completely open it and destroy our national security, our national sovereignty uh, than any president in history. They gaslight you. Gaslighting is lying to you. They come right out. They think you're stupid. And that's the thing about her. She comes out and she just lies. And we all know she's lying to us. That's the thing. She's not getting away with this lie. It's just unbelievable. She also lies to us and says that the president's um, reaction on Hawaii and Maui uh, was great. Peter Ducey from Fox News um, the only one in the, um, the White House press briefing room that asked tough questions of her, uh, although the press is starting to ask more and more tough questions as 
it becomes quite evident that that Biden will not make it to the election next year. So they could they could kind of throw him under the bus now. They're done with him. Uh, but Peter Ducey asked her a question saying, you know, hey, so far so good in um, the hurricane response, but uh, what about Hawaii? And he gets under her skin. He gets under Joe Biden's skin, too. Listen. And it seems like the hurricane response so far is robust. Did you guys realize that the initial Hawaii wildfire response was not that good? Or is it just easier for people to get help from the White House when the president is not on vacation? So the premise of your question and the way you pose your question, I disagree, just for the record. Uh, So if you talk to, if you were to do your reporting and speak to the governor of Hawaii, the senators uh, of Hawaii, the folks on the ground, they would say that the president reacted in record time when it came to dealing with the wildfires, uh, when it came to dealing and making sure that they got everything that they need on the federal level to deal with what was going on on the ground. Let's not forget there were more than 600 uh, uh, federal employees on the ground already to assist uh, with the wildfires in Maui. So your question is is wrong, is flawed in many many ways. And I would I would um, I would advise you to go speak to the governor and the local and state officials in in uh, in Hawaii. All right, another lie. She's referring him to uh, the Democratic um, senators and governor of Hawaii who will never say anything negative against Biden because they never do. Uh, but she said 600 people were already there, what, before the fires? I mean, did they know the fires were going to come? I don't get that. But she never tells the truth. They never take accountability in this administration, right? Uh, it's always a lie. Everything's fine. The economy's fine. Inflation is low. There's no recession. Right? Joe Biden's not corrupt. Never did business with his son. I mean, it's all lies. They don't care. And it's amazing that most of the public is so gullible. They believe whatever they hear. And then you have the media is so corrupt that they never question this stuff. They just run with it. But almost half the country, and it should be the entire country, think Joe Biden is corrupt. According to a new YouGov poll. Now, while most Democrats are basically ostriches with their head in the sand, we don't want to know. But 52% of independents don't believe that Honest Joe, the man who was the poorest man in Congress, is not corrupt. Um, And 13% of Americans who voted for Biden in the 2020 election uh, now are saying that it was a mistake. And look, if you have any eyes or any common sense, uh, it's pretty hard to avoid the avalanche of incriminating evidence that's coming out of the House Oversight Committee who have to bypass the gatekeepers in the media. That's why we need an impeachment inquiry because that's the only way this is going to get any light shown on it. Because the media does not want to report anything negative against the Democrats. It's that simple. They're so corrupt. I mean, media in this country, it's Pravda in the Soviet Union. It's the same exact equivalent. And, uh, and, and it's amazing. Even though all this information's out, you still have people in the press who think everything's fine. Biden's not corrupt. I mean, emails, laptops, wire transfers, 
178 suspicious activity reports. Whistleblowers. It's just unbelievable. And half the country still thinks he's okay. And they still do. Take this guy, Philip Bump of the Washington Post. Right, He was on an interview with, um, I forgot, it was some kind of podcast or something like that. And uh, he's still saying that all this stuff about Biden is bunk. Listen. Hey, what do you take from the text message to his adult daughter, uh, Hunter's text message, that I have to give 50% of my income to Pop? I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's, 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 it, I know. It's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what, what, what could it I, be? I have no idea. But does it, I don't know. Well, did, I appreciate your has anybody Has anybody asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like, I, I'm not, I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it, so I have nothing yeah, but, to say about it. Yeah, what does the say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence, no evidence, but then there's a text message where he says, I give Pop 50% of my money. That's that's evidence. Okay, well, what do you, okay, fine, fine. So that's evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't, it, that, something like that. Who do you think is the more, I, I listen to that and I'm saying, am oh, I, am I, oh, what, you, you can you, I, think, I feel you want me to leave, like, just walk out in the middle of this, you because that go. way you can you listen. Can, you can go. Right. Is this a standard, really? This is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, when, with when them? Yeah, when I agree to be on for 45 minutes. Go, go, And then go. I get on for an hour and 15? Yeah, go, then after a while go, I go. Go, Thanks go. for having See how the press in this country works, the mainstream media? All right, I don't know what that means. What do you mean you don't know what it means? In an email, Hunter Biden to his sister or wherever, wherever it was, States that he has to give half his income to Pop, his dad. I don't know what that means. What do you mean I don't know what it means? <laughs> it's just, these people are just too much. Even when confronted with the evidence. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see anything. You, you could show a video of a Democrat pulling out a gun and shooting somebody, a baby, in a carriage, and they'll say, I didn't see anything. Nothing wrong here. I mean, uh, it's just conjecture. It's just amazing, a lot right to your face. And here's a guy who's a sycophant for the Democrats, the Washington Post, right? Uh, and when confronted with hard evidence, just says, I don't know what it means. And then he gets up to leave because he doesn't like what he's hearing. Unbelievable. I mean, how much longer are these people going to defend him? And by the way, this was uh, a guy named... Uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Noam Dorman, uh, owner of New York's own comedy cellar. So apparently he has a popular podcast. It doesn't really matter where the podcast was, but... Uh, um, and this guy's a Democrat that was questioning him, and he's just asking him, oh, what do we talk about this email? And uh, I don't know what that means. He's supposed to be a journalist. Um... But there's no journalists anymore. These are just the public relation arm of the Democrats, the media. It's that simple. And all they do is try to get Trump every single day. It's unbelievable. There was a day that, you know, the press would smell blood in the water, like Watergate. And they'll start seeing these things and they would start digging deeper. And not this press. Mm -mm. There's zero, zero time spent really on any of this corruption of the Bidens. 100% of the time, it's all about Trump and his indictments on fake charges. But where the real crimes are being committed, uh, nothing. It's just unbelievable. So last week, uh, Joe Biden was on another vacation in Lake Tahoe, beautiful place, staying at a billionaire's house 
Now, that's not unusual. Presidents always stay at free places offered by billionaires, except maybe Donald Trump because he owns enough beautiful places. He doesn't need anybody's. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. But he wandered out last Friday. Uh, press was out there, of course, just hanging out, waiting to try to get a question in. And they asked him the following. Now, I know that was low and it was garbled, but what the reporter questioned him, he said, Mr. President, are you planning to sit with special counsel regarding the documents issue? And his reply was, there is no such request and no such interest. Now, I assume he meant no such interest by the special counsel to talk to him. Oh, by the way, if you don't remember the special counsel's name, his name is Her. And eight months ago, he was appointed to investigate all the confidential classified documents that Joe Biden had from all his years in the Senate and as vice president. Uh, meanwhile, Trump's been indicted on this. Not a, not a peep out of the special counsel. No leaks. What is the special counsel doing? Now, I'm sure you all remember Bill O'Reilly uh, from the O'Reilly Factor on Fox, who uh, uh, was fired over, I guess, it was some kind of sexual harassment issue or something like that. Just another example of Fox getting rid of their top-rated show. Um, anyway, uh, since then, uh, O'Reilly's you know landed on his feet, and he has his own podcast called the uh, uh, No Spin News podcast. Uh, it's uh, widely listened to. I think he's got like something like 600,000 followers there, and I listen to him regularly. And uh, he hasn't changed any. And this was uh, his response to that question and, and, and Biden's answer. Council was appointed eight and a half months ago. His name is Robert Hur. He's being paid by the taxpayer. He was appointed by Merrick Garland. Biden is saying for eight and a half months, her has not contacted him. And Biden's opinion is her has no interest in doing so. That's shocking. And if true, shows you the fix is in. Because the guy who took the documents out of Washington, some of which are classified, was Vice President Biden. You don't ask him anything in eight and a half months. It's, I've seen corruption all throughout my career. I've never seen anything like the Merrick Garland Justice Department. That includes Watergate. It's, it's just stunning. It is just stunning. So what we have here is another Hunter Biden situation. The fix is in under Merrick Garland, the attorney general. There's no other way to read it. No other way. This is corruption. Your government is corrupt. I don't know what's more corrupt, the federal government, the Biden administration, I mean, or the mainstream media. Because obviously they, they, they run cover for them. So they're corrupt as well. No question there. Eight and a half months, and nothing has happened. Meanwhile, Trump has almost 100 indictments. 
and many of those related to documents he took as president. And president has the right to declassify, the vice president does not. And apparently Joe Biden has boxes and boxes and boxes of these documents. Some of it hidden away in the University of Pennsylvania, uh, which is off limits. Um, Where's the raids? (laughs) I want to know, where's the raids? It's just amazing how the Department of Justice is so corrupt. And uh, it should scare all of us. It really is. It really should scare all of us. Um, Because we're coming more and more like a communist country every day. Every day. Uh, Merrick Garland, his DOJ, told House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan that his subpoenas for two FBI agents involved in the investigation into the Hunter Biden scandal cannot be enforced due to an ongoing investigation. You see what they do? They named a special counsel. Now they don't have to comply with any subpoena from Congress. Don't have to send any witnesses there because there's a quote-unquote ongoing investigation. They do this all the time. So last week, House Republicans subpoenaed FBI special agents Thomas Sobachinsky and Ryesha Holly to compel testimony on political interference and preferential treatment in the Hunter Biden investigation. Garland's DOJ said the subpoenas couldn't be enforced because Congressman Jim Jordan barred DOJ lawyers at their depositions. The subpoenas issued by the committee prohibit the attendance of agency counsel at appearances by two FBI employees where the committee has indicated it will ask questions regarding information they learned within the scope of their official duties, including regarding the ongoing criminal investigation. These subpoenas lack legal effect and cannot constitutionally be enforced. So the Department of Justice informed the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday night that it would not cooperate with subpoenas for two FBI agents involved in the department's investigation of Hunter Biden because of the committee's stipulations on their depositions. So they're just stonewalling everything. It's unbelievable. It's so corrupt. Now we'll see what um, what um, the committee does next. You see how they use this ongoing investigation as a way to cover up everything? It'll always be an ongoing investigation. That way they don't have to ever have anybody testify in front of Congress. I tell you, I, I, I was going to open the program today saying I just feel like screaming for two hours. Ah! It's so infuriating. And I'm sure you feel that way, too. And I want to know, I have a question for you. Why is the IRS buying 40 caliber submachine guns? That's right. Uh, The weaponization and militarization of the federal government continues unabated. And Congress sits back and does nothing. So when the corporate media asks the IRS why they need semi-automatic weapons, millions of rounds of ammunition, and heavily armed staffers uh, trained in the use of force, uh, they said it was for, quote-unquote, administrative reasons. What the hell is that, administrative reasons? But we know that the, the globalists are not just arming the IRS. They're arming basically every federal agency. And they're militarizing these agencies to the hilt with military-grade weapon systems. 
For instance, why would the IRS need armored vehicles, flashbang grenades loaded with tear gas, and 40 caliber machine guns? I mean, what does an IRS agent need with a 40 caliber machine gun? This is not nothing new. The IRS has been arming up for the last 10 years. At the end of 2017, the IRS had 4,487 firearms, 5 million rounds of ammunition. And according to uh, an article, August 8th of 2022 uh, in Forbes, it writes, the Inflation Reduction Act unleashes a tougher IRS. And you could bet they've stored up a lot more guns and ammunition six years since uh, 2017. So here's an excerpt from the Forbes article. The Schumer Mansion tax bill, known as the Inflation Reduction Act, which it's not, uh, which passed the Senate on Sunday, raises taxes and will give the IRS billions to go into what the Wall Street Journal called, quote-unquote, beast mode. Oh, yeah, that's what I want the IRS to be, beast mode. Well, there's not everybody in Congress is going along with this. Uh, Matt Gates and uh, Jeff Duncan, of course, Republicans, uh, introduced the Disarm the IRS Act to prohibit the IRS from buying ammunition. Now, of course, this bill was dead on arrival because there's a uniparty in Washington, which includes all the Democrats and a majority of the Republicans. They're all for a militarized federal government. They hate Americans. They don't, reserve, they, they don't represent Americans. They are globalists. And that's what they are. Now, the IRS is not alone in this militarization of the federal government. It's almost every agency. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has purchased hundreds of 40 caliber submachine guns, presumably for making raids on independent farmers and food producers. They have a special hate for the Irish, uh, the Amish, I should say. The USDA raided the Fisher family's farm in Farmville, Virginia, and seized their livestock and meat, proce- uh, and meat processing facility as a state condemned and seized his property. They're Amish. About the Small Business Administration, they also made bulk purchases of guns and ammo. Health and Human Services has done the same. Why would Health and Human Services need to be armed? Is the federal government preparing for all-out war against American citizens? Or anybody who pushes back against the government? Or uh, the narrative on pandemics? Or globalism? I don't know. But something's going on. What's next? Uh, I mean, people are being actually killed. You hear about these raids that have happened by the FBI recently? Four people were raided and then shot dead in their homes. Uh, It's just unbelievable. Just in the month of August alone, four Americans had their homes broken into and invaded in pre-dawed raids by the FBI, which in East case executed the suspect in cold blood. One case involved a 100% disabled U.S. military veteran in Henderson, Tennessee, who was unarmed at the time, and he was shot on August 16th. Another case involved a 74-year-old man in Provo, Utah, who was obese and unable to walk without a cane, but he was shot dead by the FBI. 
on August 9th. Now, none of these people posed any imminent threat to their families or their communities. The Utah man made threats against Biden on his Facebook page. But clearly, you know, didn't have the ability to carry it out. They could have arrested him peacefully. But no, they had to make a statement. And after enough Americans are executed in cold blood, the fear of speaking out will become more ingrained in society. You're going to be afraid to. And we may see today, probably sooner rather than later, when political dissonance will simply disappear, like in China and Russia. Nobody will know what happened to them as they vanish into the gulag. I mean, think what's happening to these people from September, uh, January 6th. These people have been held in solitary confinement in torturous conditions without a hearing. And now finally some of these guys are going to trial. Uh, One guy just got 17 years for a nonviolent crime. What did he do? He had a bullhorn outside the Capitol and he walked inside and walked around the Capitol. 17 years in prison. You could commit rape. You could be a serial rapist. And in Democrat cities, you'll be let out right away and you'll get no jail time. You see what's happening here? There's a a revolution going on against the American people by the communists. And they've infiltrated every agency, every level of government. And uh, we, we better start pushing back soon. They can't kill or arrest us all, especially if we speak up. I don't think people are ready for what's coming. I mean, really, I think we're going full-blown revolution against everything that's ideal in America. And conservatives are going to be silenced or killed or round up. And uh, there's no 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 reasoning given why the FBI had to kill four people in pre-dawn raids. So now you can't even make a threat against Biden without being killed. This happens in banana republics, people. Really, really crazy. All right, let's take a quick break. My name is Luce Katigna. You've been listening to the Financial Physician Podcast. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC, registered advisory services through our... To buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients 
clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Welcome back to this thing of ours that we call The Financial Physician. My name is Lou Skatigna, Certified Financial Planner. We talk money, markets, politics on the Financial Physician Podcast, and anything that affects your life, we get together twice a week now. The main podcast comes up Sunday by 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Usually I have it up by 7 a.m. And uh, as I've been telling you, you have to follow the show on Podomatic. So when you go to thefinancialphysician.com, we link you over to the podcast at Podomatic. And on the, uh, the main page there, there's a button there that says follow. If you follow and you give your email address, you'll be notified immediately when we upload the show. Uh, the Wednesday podcast is about about an hour long, about half the time we do on the Sunday podcast. That's uploaded usually by 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So we get together twice a week. Uh, you don't want to miss a minute of The Financial Physician. I love the fact that many of you tell your friends about the program and turn them on to it. Uh, there's no way they're going to find it. Uh, you have to tell them about it. Share it on your social media. Uh, that's the way this podcast grows. And I know we're growing. I mean, every week uh, we have more and more downloads of the show. And the only, it only happens because you guys are telling people about it. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day to listen to the program uh, and uh, also sharing it with people you think can benefit by it. You want to get in touch with me? My email address is Lou at thefinancialphysician.com, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. If there's something you want me to cover on the program, many of you send me articles and, and information, some of it I've never seen before, um, and it makes its way onto the program. So I appreciate uh, all your help in that regard. Uh, you have a personal finance question that's affecting your life, and I could help you. Those are my favorite emails. You never bother me uh, sending me an email. Love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. So the genius bureaucrats in Canada have issued either a LGBTQ2S+, or 2SLGBTQI+, travel advisory for the United States, depending on which news source you pull your information from and which acronym is popular this week. I have no idea what that means, either one of them. I know what the LGBT part means, lesbian, gay, bi, transsexual. Q is queer. Um, I don't know what the two is. I don't know what the S is. I don't know what the L is. But the L is lesbian. Right. Uh, I don't know what the plus is. Sorry, I'm just uninformed. Call me transphobic. I don't know. So uh, Canada has updated its international travel advisories to warn members of the LGBTQ plus community that they may face discrimination if they travel to some places in the United States. The advisory was put into place after at least 18 U.S. states passed laws that limit or ban certain things relevant to the community, including gender-affirming medical care for minors 
and teaching about sexual orientation in schools. The travel advisory follows the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's warning in May about quote-unquote threats of violence against the LGBTQ plus community. Now, there's no word on whether or not the Homeland Security warning included the 2S and I portions of the Canadian acronym. I don't know. Um, so because some states have enacted laws or policies that oppose gender-affirming care for minors or mutilization of teenagers, um, it's a big concern for Canada. Carefully consider whether you're comfortable visiting a destination where the laws and social customs affecting LGBTQ LMNP people differ from those in Canada, the government warns. Okay. Uh, so uh, these states are so hostile, so hostile to the LGBT community because they don't believe in children at 10 years old deciding whether or not they're a girl or a guy. Unbelievable. While Joe Biden may not have the time of day to give to uh, families who lost loved ones in the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, but Donald Trump does, and apparently he's going to meet with Afghan withdrawal gold star families at Bedminster. Again, after Biden treated them so poorly. It, he had to be shamed into even recognizing these people's death on the sec, uh, second anniversary of their death based on a suicide bomber, which a sniper, a United States sniper, had the bomber in his sights and was told not to fire. Unbelievable. Everything that this administration did in the withdrawal from Afghanistan is a disaster. And uh, Trump's going to meet with them and talk with them when Biden doesn't even care about him. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, you remember when he was uh, in Dover, when receiving their bodies, he was looking at his watch the whole time, couldn't wait to get out of there. What a disgrace. What a disgraceful human being this guy is. Your president. It's unbelievable. Now, I ran this on Wednesday, and I don't like to replay what I do on Wednesday because I, I, I respect your time, and I, I don't want to um, replay the same thing. But just one segment I do want to play. Uh, Mark Schmitz is the father of Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, who died in the bombing. He's one of the 13 U.S. servicemen that died. And he was before Congress at a hearing this week, and boy, did he let Biden have it. Um, there's a little bit of profanity in this, and I'm doing my best to, to tamp it down, at least the worst words that are said. Uh, but listen to what this guy, now obviously his heart is broken, he's lost his child, his government, namely the, his president, um, and I use that term lightly, uh, uh, didn't even acknowledge it. Two years has gone by, and where are we? To be frank, we're knee-deep in bullshit where we are. Everyone who held a key position in the military still has that position or has been promoted. John Kirby still sits on his perch, which apparently faces the opposite direction from where all the action was. Lincoln continues to delay key evidence by ignoring delay or delaying subpoenas. Not a single general slapped down their stars, which should have happened two years ago when Biden ignored his reliable intelligence. Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. 
Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military. And I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more, like, more important to bite my tongue. But I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. Well, I stood there on the tarmac watching you check your watch over and over again. All I wanted to do was shout out, asshole. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. You, sir, stole their lives, their futures, their dreams, and have ripped apart 13 families. You cannot even man up and admit that. You, sir, gave us all the title Gold Star Family. You, sir, discredit honor and integrity. Well, he didn't certainly didn't hold back uh, on our president. He's probably going to wind up having the FBI show up pre-dawn at his house and probably execute him for saying what he did. I mean, that's where this country is going to anyway. And uh, obviously he's upset. He has every right to be. And I don't blame him. If I was in his shoes, I'd, be, I'd say the same thing. But that's not something you don't usually hear somebody so outspoken uh, in front of Congress. Um, but obviously he's, he's a hurting man. So what's happening, my friends? Uh, we are now at the point where a major bank just announced they're going to stop giving loans for new gas-powered and diesel-powered vehicles under the excuse of climate change. Uh, this is the Bank of Australia, which is equivalent to the Bank of America. It's a big bank in Australia. And from 2025 on, they will no longer be making loans to anybody buying a combustible engine car. Quote, by ceasing car loans for new fossil fuel vehicles, we are sending a signal to the Australian market about the rapid acceleration and the transition from internal combustion to electric vehicles we expect to see in the next few years. In just two years' time, the bank will stop giving loans to new fossil fuel cars and instead only help people buy the inferior electric vehicles. That's not what she said, but that's what the article says. So now banks are going to decide what cars we can buy and we cannot buy under the excuse of climate change. Sounds like climate communism to me or climate fascism where a bank is behind us. Uh, that's where banks, you watch, it's going to happen in this country too. It's part of the globalist agenda. And what happens in Australia is going to happen here. It's going to happen in Europe. Where now banks are going to decide who they're going to give loans to based on their politics, what they can give a loan on. What are they going to start doing? Giving conservatives higher interest on loans uh, than the communists in this country? It's unbelievable. That's what fascism is. Fascism is corporate combining with government, 
uh, to uh, further a political agenda. That's fascism. That's the definition of it. The next thing is the government's going to make fuel super expensive, so you can't afford to have a gasoline one car. And uh, then they're going to make electric too expensive, so you can't drive much of your electric car. Uh, and now you could stay within your 15-minute city. I mean, Britain has already decided they're banning the sale of gas-powered cars from 2030. I mean, it's only seven years from now. And then the European Union in a, as a whole is going to stop selling them in 2035. And so in just a few years, um, there's going to be a total ban on gas-powered cars in Europe. And uh, why is this happening? It's not about climate change. It's all about control. So the Bank of Australia is now may, uh, forcing many of its customers to buy the more expensive, and they are much more expensive, electric cars. Well, what does that mean? Oh, that means there's a bigger balance on the loan and the bank makes more money, right? I will tell you, I will never buy an electric vehicle. I'm not going to do it. And what's going to happen to the electric grid when that happens? And by the way, I just saw somebody put on Facebook a, an invoice to change the battery in their electric vehicle. It was $24,000 uh, <laughs> to change the electric. And it, they always go. These batteries always go in a few years. And you need to replace them. It's unbelievable. You know, in Scandinavia now, it would cost $100 to fully charge a Tesla. $100. Um, and this is nothing new. I mean, communists uh, have always tried to limit people's freedom. We saw it in the Soviet Union and other socialist countries. Trying to push you to ride bikes or take the bus or train instead of owning a car. And the reason it's called is control. It's, it's all about control. They don't want people moving about freely and independently. They want to be able to keep tabs on all the people. All right, so now Board of Education meetings, you know, as you know, that uh, people have been called terrorists by the FBI for attending Board of Ed meetings and trying to find out what's going on in their kids' schools as far as pornographic books and uh, racial issues and gender issues. And, uh, and now a Board of Education uh, in Livingston, New Jersey, called the local police because somebody outside the board meeting or in the board meeting looked Trumpish. So if you look Trumpish or you look like you voted for Donald Trump, it's a reason to call the police. Now, the person that she said looked Trumpish was um, O'Keefe, uh, who used to be with Veritas and somehow got canned from the own company he, he started, Project Veritas, uh, James O'Keefe. So he has his own organization now. He's a private investigative reporter. He goes undercover. And, uh, he, you know, if you recall on this program, I played for you when he went undercover and he had that Pfizer executive um, who basically told him that they knew that the vaccine was not good and, and, and everything else. I forgot exactly what, it, what he did. But he does that. He goes undercover and he reveals things. So he shows up at this board meeting uh, and uh, uh, they call the police on him. And when uh, the local police um, officer arrives and he talks to the uh, 
one of the uh, school board executives there. I don't know if forgot their title. Um, and she's talking to him and saying that he looks like Antifa kind of person. Uh, just listen. It's ridiculous. Do you think this, they might be part of some kind of like... Yeah. That's like an antique, not like an antique, but some along those lines. That's exactly what we're thinking. Maybe they're going to all different board meetings. I'm not sure. So I just thought it would be safe when I call you. Uh, you called this, correct? Yes. Um, my name is Josh Hester, and um, I am calling to have a request um, a police presence at the Board of Ed. Now, we caught up with Tony my name is James O'Keefe. Are you Tony McLaughlin, the assistant superintendent of the school? I am. You did call the police on us. We have body cam footage of you. This is you on on the police footage. Trumpish. Um, you said that there's some quote Trumpish people. They're different looking. They look Trumpish. <laughs> what did you mean by Trumpish at the school board meeting? Um, I still feel like commenting now. You've commented quite a bit. There's a, there's 45 minutes of video from the police officer here in Livingston of you saying that you were, quote, intimidated by citizens showing up at a school board meeting asking questions. They look shady. Like, yes, they, 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 they definitely look like there's something up. Not like a Livingston parent, like what definitely, to do. Definitely not. Academy. Yeah, they, they, they videotape. They, I think there's more like intimidate, you know, stir the pot. What is intimidating about citizens showing up at a school board meeting talking about diversity, equity, inclusion? I did not know what the, what the citizens were going to talk about. Okay. They were not living. Usually we have people commenting on um, items on the agenda. So and why did you call the police? Because I was directed to do so. Now, remember on August 8th, on the steps outside the school board meeting, I asked Officer Pansioni from a distance, I said, did you call the cops on us? And he said, my supervisor did. Did you call the police? Uh, like I said, I was told to come here by my supervisor. So the man you hear speaking, he's the police officer, and, and he's backing her 100% if you listen to the whole conversation. Uh, he says he's a journalist, and he says, you know, he don't care. Um, so, uh, and then they go on to state that he has no right being there because he's not a resident or he doesn't work in Livingston, New Jersey, and you're not allowed in a school board meeting. But that's not what the law says. I mean, technically, they do have a do they do do they have a right to do this? Not, te- not technically, no. You have to be a Livingston resident, resident or, you can, or you can work at Livingston. Yeah, right. so you have to have some type of ability, ability or con- con- connection with Livingston. Mm-hmm. Other than that, these things shouldn't be. Yeah, we shouldn't be needed for something like this. Mm-hmm. But, but you have these these groups that they just want to do and just. Mm-hmm. I think it's more intimidation. And the one guy in the blue blazer ran outside to look. He's like, oh, I'm a journalist. Uh, did they call the cops on us? I said I was told to come here by my supervisor. Don't worry about it. They call the cops. I'm here. What do you think I'm here? I think I got here. Yeah, it's fine. They were probably recording me. That's fine. They're being recorded too. So. Doesn't the cop sound a lot like Chris Christie? Every time I heard this clip, I could see Chris Christie sitting there talking. It sounds just like him. Uh, but uh, so the cop's in on it, too, and uh, he doesn't want him there. But he has every right to be there because, as you'll find out, New Jersey law permits anybody in the state from uh, for attending uh, meetings like this, public meetings. This is clearly erroneous. New Jersey Open Public Meetings Act is codified under New Jersey SA 1046 to 10421. The citation 
refers to New Jersey statutes annotated. It ensures the public can attend all school board meetings in the state, regardless of where you live. So this officer is ignorant of the law. So now another woman comes into the meeting um, with the police officer. Uh, her name is Susan Berman. She's with uh, the Human Resources Department for Livingston Schools. And she's just beside herself uh, with happiness that she ran out into the parking lot and videotaped every license plate of every car in the parking lot. And this is what the police officer has to say after that. I, need to go take, I just took video of everybody in our parking lot. You did over here? Video? Okay. I can there. run the plates. Yeah, let's um, I can. What I can do is just hang out here. So the police officer, again, sounds just like Chris Christie. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, he says, you know, she, she videotapes the plates. And the police says, I can scan the plates. So now, I mean, isn't there some kind of a Fourth Amendment right not to be investigated for just being somewhere? Uh, so he's going to run all the plates. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's the country we live in right now. It's just unbelievable. Um, but now, you know, if you're Trumpish, you look Trumpish. You voted for Trump. You're a Trump supporter. The cops will be called on you now if you show up at a school board meeting. Well, that's where we are in America these days. I, I just laid out a bunch of stuff here that just shows that the country's going downhill. And if we don't turn it around soon, uh, we're in big trouble. And our only hope right now is a, a man that's being persecuted um, who lives in the state of Florida named Donald Trump. And uh, if there was free and fair elections, he would win by a landslide. But unfortunately, I don't trust our elections anymore. Well, that's enough of this insanity for today's edition of The Financial Physician. You want to get in touch with me, just send me an email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. If any of you want to come in for a no-obligation consultation where we review everything that's going on in your financial life, give my office a call, 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. If you're out of town, we could do a Zoom meeting or we could just do a, a phone meeting. Uh, just schedule that by either sending me an email at lou at thefinancialphysician.com or call my assistant, Evelyn, at 732 905 8100. And don't forget to join me Wednesday for a midweek podcast. I'll have it up by four o'clock. And uh, again, join us each and every Sunday for our main podcast here on the financial position. And please share the link, bring your friends into our family here, and let's get them informed as well. And please always remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far.
Share the link with your friends and family uh, because they're going to get information here that they're not going to get anywhere else. And uh, I do appreciate you uh, sharing the link on your social media and telling your friends about our podcast. So have a wonderful weekend, Labor Day weekend, and please join me Wednesday for the podcast. And just remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far.